Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Hello and welcome to the 22nd edition of the MTO Podcast. Coming with you is me and my guy Nick again. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of NBA today. Uh, we're going to cover the Bucks Hawks series and the game that we just saw, which included Chris Middleton giving you giving the Hawks 20 points in the fourth quarter to go with his 38. Uh, we were slated to have my man Mike on here, who loves to talk trash about Chris Middleton, but uh, it seems like shortly after Chris Middleton gave the Hawks that work, suddenly he came down, he was under the weather or something, or had what do you say, he had a dinner that he didn't know about? Seemed real convenient timing to me, but we'll, I guess we'll give him a pass on that for, for this episode. Uh, otherwise, we're going to talk a little Suns, Clippers, uh, the coaching changes that have gone on, some NBA draft, which you know me, Nick, I'm a, I'm a big NBA draft guy, so I'm, I'm real excited to talk about that. And then we're going to bring it home. I know we missed the bring it home segment last week, so we're going we're gonna to come in full force this week with that, with that energy for that. So let's go ahead and start, like I said, with that game, uh, Bucks versus Hawks. What, what were you thinking of that game, and what do you think of the series going forward, Nick? Man, all I can think about, honestly, uh, watching that fourth quarter was Mike because when Middleton was just giving them buckets, I was like, man, I hope Mike's not watching this game because he's just shitting on Mike's opinion about what he thought of him, you know, his game. Because I, I think my guy Mike called him average. Is that what he said? Average Something was the like quote. That? Average was the quote for Average, sure. okay. I thought so, something like that. Well, I mean, no average players really do that in, you know, fourth quarter of Eastern Conference Finals. My guy put up, like, 20-something points, something like that. Like, he was getting bucket buckets. So, uh, it was a nice performance, you know. Series tied 1-1. They take the 2-1 lead off that game uh, down in Atlanta, the first one. That's key. Uh, I thought the Bucks, you know, they came out flat, which they tend to do sometimes. They tend to have their uh, little spurts of when they have bad offense or – can't make shots and that was the key early in the game but I think we knew that you know the Bucks kind of they do their thing they kind of get into games and you know Giannis is going to get to the bucket so he's going to always get his easy baskets but um I think this series still looks like a gentleman's sweep to me I think the Hawks got their game I think the Bucks look kind of locked in and it looks like they're clicking right now and I don't know if the uh, Hawks pull out another game maybe but I, I kind of doubt it at this point yeah, I mean, I'm I kind of tend to agree. I think for me, I've been counting, I've been selling the Hawks a little short. Um, I did pick them to beat the Knicks, and they did that pretty handedly. Um, but I wasn't expecting them to come out of the Philly series victorious. I even after they were winning games, I was discounting them. So with that said, I'm gonna give them another game. I'm gonna say they win. Uh, though they play Tuesday, we'll say game four. I'll say they win that. And that'll be the last win for them for the se- for the season. Uh, I think they're. I mean, they've had a great they've had a great season. I mean, for me, I, I know I've told you I thought their roster was a little weird. I didn't really like the composition of it. So they've already overachieved, but I don't see how they're gonna beat the Bucks. I really just don't see how that happens. So I think Bucks and five makes a lot of sense to me. But I'm gonna go Bucks and six just to give a little respect to the to the Hawks since I've been doubting them and they've been proving me wrong. So they've been you've been down them all this time, and now you gonna give them an extra game. I'm gonna give them end. a game. Like yeah. I've been, I've been down. Yeah, I'll give you. Here's an extra game. Yeah, here, here's a game for my for my doubts. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the only thing I can give them is a game because I don't think they're winning the series by any means. So I'll give them an extra game. That's all. I, that's all I'm willing to give them. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see. I can see that, but I doubt it. But yeah, yeah I don't. We'll see team I'm not giving an extra game is the Clippers. So the, the Suns are up 3-1. to one. They're going back to Phoenix. Kawhi ain't walking through that door. I, I don't see how they win that game. I mean, when you really think about it, they're up. the Suns are up 3-1, and Chris Paul hasn't played a good game. And Booker had a good game one, but he hasn't played any other – any of his other games haven't really been that great. So – you can't be down one to the Suns when their best two players really haven't 
consistently did what you expect them to do. So I I imagine Booker closeout game. He does what everybody else what what you expect him to do. He does what he did to the Lakers. He probably gives you 30, 35 and he sends the Clippers home. That's the way I see it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's not a good sign that the uh, Clippers are down 3-1 and you know, like you said, kind of were saying, Booker and Paul really haven't had that great of games collectively. Aiden's been a beast, you know, the whole series, which has uh, been good to see, you know. Uh, I feel like a lot of people weren't really kind of sold on Aiden, weren't sure, you know, what kind of player was he, you know, worth the, you know, the draft pick so high. I think he's kind of proven a lot of people wrong right now and showing him that he can be a, a good big and a quality big on a good team that's got championship uh, aspirations. So... I'm, you know, basically in agreement with you. I kind of see this series being over. Maybe the Clippers get another game, kind of like, you know, you're doing with the Hawks. I doubt that. I think the Suns get it closed out, get ready for the NBA Finals, and give Chris Paul, you know, his chance to get that ring. We've been on him a lot, you know, about not having a ring, not making a West Conference Finals, not getting to out the first round, blah, 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 whatever, whatever we've put on his career. But at this point, you know, he's about to, you know, try to get his first title and that's big and hopefully he comes through with that and he can kind of get people off his back yeah i think it's what's going to be interesting is i think one way or the other you're going to have a team or players specifically that have had a lot of a lot of hate and a lot of doubt come their way and they're going to have to they're going to persevere and they're going to kind of prove everybody wrong because i mean any of the teams that you have left i mean you look at their star player like giannis we've I think more Twitter and social media has had doubts because I don't think the media itself has really gave Giannis that hard of a time. But there's definitely been a lot of people that have given Giannis a hard time. Uh, we've done the same thing with Chris Paul. I mean, we've done it with Booker, too. We said his empty stats. Same thing with Trey Young. Same thing with Paul George. So, I mean, one way or the other, somebody who we've given a hard time in the past is definitely going to uh, persevere and improve a lot of doubters wrong. I don't see that being Trey Young. I don't see that being Paul George. But uh, one, regardless of who, what team wins, they're going to get that monkey off their back. And I think it's going to be really an interesting thing. Uh, when you look at the NBA, traditionally, it's really been about four or five teams really going for it and everybody else just kind of positioning to be one of those four or five teams. But when you look at Toronto a couple of years ago and then now whoever wins this championship, I don't think anybody really thought that – they were going to win a ship. I think you're going to have more teams really going for it and getting themselves in the position to where, if things fall as they may, that you're going to be able to be there to win that to win that championship. So I think with the combination of the play-in tournament and kind of the results of this uh, playoff run, I think you're going to have a lot more teams kind of shooting their shot and trying to be in position to maybe not be the favorites, but to be the last man standing, so to speak, kind of more of like an NCAA type of way. So I think this is good for basketball, that it's not the kind of the same old teams over and over again or the teams that you expect. Because if you had a Lakers versus Brooklyn finals, then it's kind of, you know, par for the course, kind of is what it's always been. So I think it's been a very interesting year. We're getting to see some names that we don't always get to see at this stage. Uh, we're getting to kind of put some respect on some people's name. Uh, like with Trey Young and Devin Booker specifically, I think. DeAndre Ayton as well, as like you said. Uh, so I think it's been really good for basketball. I think it's been really fun. And like I said, one way or the other, somebody's going to get that monkey off their back. That's for sure. So uh, there's also teams that are rebuilding. Um, that usually starts with the head coach. Um, we've had three different organizations pick their, their man. Uh, we've had Indiana go back to Rick Carlisle, which we'll get into. Uh, the Mavericks go with Jason Kidd. And the Blazers go with Chauncey Billups. Let's start in Indiana because I believe it happened first. What do you think of the Pacers Rick Carlisle match? Uh, it's a good rehire, you know. He's a good coach, and they got a lot of good, you know, nice, nice little pieces. Uh, it didn't seem like the players really got along with the coach they had last year. Kind of guessing the reason why he was kind of a one and done. And um, I think the Pacers wanted to go with something they knew. You know, he's like you said, he's coached there in the past. We know his pedigree. He has that championship that they won uh, with Dirk against the Heat. So um, I think they're just looking for stability, man. I think they're just. I think they want to be in games every night, and that's what you're going to be with Carlisle and this team that has you know Sabonis, Brogdon, Lavert. Um, 
not sure if TJ Warren's coming back or not after his injury, but you know, they got some pieces, so they should be a quality team in the East, especially. So I like the Carlisle hire and, uh, you know, in conclusion, I think they're trending in the right direction. The Pacers they're they, they, you know, they made the playoffs. I think last year almost made it this year. I think they were in that playing tournament and didn't quite make it. So they're right on the cusp of being, you know, a one through eight team. So, you know, yeah, for me, I think it's it is kind of weird to me in one respect because part of the reason why they're looking for a coach, like you mentioned, is because uh, their last coach didn't get along with a lot of the players. And but on the other end, a lot of the reason why Rick Carlisle was available is because he wasn't getting along with a lot of the players in Dallas. So it's an interesting kind of I think timing on that, given the fact that the reason why they fired their last coach. Now I think Rick Carlisle kind of has a, more of a pedigree, so he's able to kind of get people to listen. Uh, and he's also shown that he's able to win, whereas this coach, uh, we're saying this coach because, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't remember the guy's name. Um, but he took a team that was in the playoffs. I mean, granted, it was in the bubble, but they were still, a, I think they were a four seed, four or five seed. And then they fell out of the playoffs, so it's obviously not a good look. It's basically the same core. So I get why they made a change. I think Rick Carlisle is definitely an upgrade, but it's just an interesting fit given the fact that the reason why they made the move and also the reason why Rick Carlisle was available is kind of the same thing as far as getting along with players. So we'll see how that works out. Obviously, it's a different group, so he may mesh better with this with the group that they have in Indiana, uh, but it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, going on to the Mavericks where Rick Carlisle left. Jason Kidd is who they picked to replace him. What are your thoughts on that one? I don't know, honestly. Like, if I'm going to be 100% with you, I, like, shoulder shrug. I know people can't see me, but my hands are just in the air. Like, I just don't know. Like, I mean, what am I supposed to think? Like, he's had two coaching stops already. He, you know, he got a little cup of coffee, basically, in Milwaukee, seemed like. Then he was the coach of the Nets, and, you know, we mostly remember him for telling a player to run in them to spill a, a water cup on the floor because I don't think they had any more timeouts. So, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with Jason Kidd getting his third try with the Mavericks with, you know, Luka Doncic and uh, Porzingis, who I'm sure they're going to try to get rid of in this offseason. I mean, I'm sure we'll see how that goes and if they can get that contract off their hands, which they should have never re-signed them to. Neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, I, I mean... I don't think it makes a difference, quite honestly. I think they're the same team, unless that roster gets, you know, drastically better and he just became a way better coach over these last couple of years being an assistant and being on the Lakers bench. Then he gets a couple years, they probably don't do anything, and he's probably fired and doesn't get another job. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for me is I just don't think he's a good coach, really. Like, when it boils down to it, there's nothing in his resume that tells me that he's going to be the coach Dallas needs. Now, I I will say that I don't think Dallas is ready regardless of who the coach is. Like, I don't think Popovich is going to go in there and make them win a ship. So, honestly, they got roster decisions that they need to make before they really need to worry about getting the right coach. But um, in my estimation, Jason Kidd ain't the right coach regardless. So, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's definitely a downgrade, I guess, is the easiest way to put it because Rick Carlisle is the better coach. The thought kind of has to be that Jason Kidd has done the things that Luka Doncic is going to be doing in this league. So relating to him a little better, because obviously Rick Carlisle played in the league. He ain't never done nothing that Luka Doncic is doing. So uh, I think just finding, I think the ideology behind it is finding someone who's been in those shoes before that can relate better with Luka. Uh, at the end of the day, you still got to make coaching decisions, and I don't think Jason Kidd is the guy that's going to make those decisions in a way to benefit the team. So I don't love it. I get where they're going as far as the thought process, but I don't think that pans out. I kind of, a, kind of have a similar story in, in Portland. I like Chauncey Bills as a player. I think he makes a good assistant coach. I'm not sure he's ready to, to be a head coach. We'll see what happens there. I think the ideology was that Dame liked – Chauncey, I'm not even sure that's going to matter because Chris Haynes is reporting that Dame wants out. So we'll see what, let's say hypothetically Dame stays. 
I don't see how Chauncey Billups moves the meter that and does anything that Terry Stotts couldn't do. So I don't really like this one either. No, I'm I'm not that impressed, honestly. I don't and then this to me isn't even a Golden State, you know, firing Mark Jackson for Steve Kerr thing either. Like this to me isn't like, oh, let me switch a coach, maybe a new mind in here and we'll get it, you know, roared up. Eh, I'm not I'm not sold on Chauncey. I've seen Chauncey on TV. Like, nothing he said to me impressed me to think, like, this dude should be running an NBA team as a coach or a GM, as he's been mentioned in the past. I was just never honestly really that impressed with anything he ever had to say or the things, you know, he was kind of talking about on TV. Now, yeah, of course, he's done it as a player. He's won a ship. He was a good player in the league for, you know, for a long time. But those things don't always translate into being a good NBA coach or a coach in general at all. So... I'm not sold on the hire, even hope, man, I hope he can keep Dame around, because if he, he can't keep Dame around, he definitely ain't keeping that job very long, so, we'll see how that, you know, the Portland future goes, but, I just, I don't see Chauncey working out there long term, honestly. I really think we just gotta kind of stop with this idea that, because you did it at a high level as a player, means you're gonna do that same thing as a coach, I mean, I don't think I can think of a single example to where as we that that's worked. I mean, we have people who played in the league that have been very good coaches. Obviously, Phil Jackson's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, we mentioned Rick Carlisle. I think he's a very good coach. He played in the league. So Monty Williams is doing a good job. But those are all role players, really. Like, we don't have really that example of a of a star, an all-star, and then turning around and being a really good coach. So I think the ideology of having the guy that's been in those shoes and then he's going to be a great coach – it's an unfounded thought process that has never really worked out. I mean, we look at Steve Nash in Brooklyn. I don't think it was Steve Nash's fault. I think it was injuries, but ultimately he didn't get it done. He had the, he had the best team in the league probably, and it didn't work out. Again, I'm not putting this on Steve Nash, but there was nothing that he did that made me think that he was elevating their play. Like, I mean, basically they were they were relying on the greatness of stars. Those stars got hurt. And then he just looked like just another guy running the team. Like, he didn't look like he was making them better. So we really have got to try to get over this idea that just because Jason Kidd was a leader as a player and he was – and Chauncey Billups was a leader as a player and they both led their teams as a player to the promised land, doesn't mean they're going to be able to do that as a coach because that's a different lens. Like, that's not the same perspective. It's not the same role. And I just think it's a really lazy thought process that history has told us isn't going to work. And I don't think this is going to be anything different than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I just, it's not working out to me. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, to me, they needed to establish coach at this point, or at least try or figure. I just, a first head, you know, coaching opportunity for a team that's, you know, looking to go deeper in the playoffs this just isn't the way you go. Like, I I don't see the mindset behind it. I guess maybe if this is what Dame said, maybe you're trying to just keep him around. And Dame was like, yeah, if you hire Chauncey, I'll stick around. I don't see him saying that. But to me, that's the only reason why you make this hire. Yeah, I don't see it working out either. But I guess we'll see what happens. I, I'm rooting for those guys because I like them both. But I just don't see any way this really works. Um I can't wait any longer. I love NBA draft talk, so let's just get right into it. Uh, we just had the NBA draft lottery happen with Detroit getting that first pick. Uh, what were your biggest thoughts when you saw the lottery? I know you're a Rockets fan. Y'all got number two. Uh, tell me your thoughts if there's anything that kind of stuck out as far as winners and losers for you, or what are your thoughts on, on the lottery? You know what? Like I, I really wanted the first you know pick, being a Rockets fan, and you know us, we were having a good chance to have you know pick one, two, three, or whatever. But honestly, I'm kind of happy having number two because it's a good spot because you don't really get blamed if you messed up at one. And then if one does become great, it's like, well, we had number two. We, we didn't have number one. We couldn't do anything about that. So I liked the number spot too. And the Rockets can still get uh, whatever they need at the two spot. I'm just thinking, you know, from a Rockets fan's point and I'm being number two pick. They can get whatever they want. Um, you know, still if they want to go guard, you know, Suggs, you know, I'm guessing – this is assuming Kate Cunningham goes number one overall to the Pistons. I mean, I'm guessing that's what they're going to do. Is You're guessing the same thing to him, assuming. 
So gives the uh, Rockets flexibility to go guard or go um, the big man out of uh, USC, whose name now all of a sudden is just leaving my brain. Evan Mobley. Uh, Mobley. Yes, Mobley. Sorry. Because all I could think about was Mobley like last week. As soon as we got number two, I was like, dang, I kind of want another big man. And now all of a sudden I can't think of his name. But yeah. So I, and then that goes number three. So I, man, you know, this is a good deep draft. These, a lot of these guys are really talented. I know there's a couple people we'll get to that you, that we've seen kind of going high that you don't believe in. But, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of, I think a lot of teams are going to be happy this draft. I think everybody's going to be like, oh, we got the guy we wanted or we really helped out our team. I think everybody's going to have that typical NFL speak that we usually hear during the NFL draft. Yeah, I think there's definitely some some clear winners here. Obviously, Detroit being getting the first pick is a clear winner. Uh, I think it's a really interesting fit because when I look at Kay Cunningham play, I know I've said this comparison to you before, but he reminds me of Grant Hill. And so I hope Kay Cunningham goes there and he puts on that 33 just like Grant used to do and he goes and does the things that pre-injury Grant Hill did because pre-injury Grant Hill was a monster. I don't think people really realize how good that dude was, but I really see him – kind of fit in that same role that Grant Hill did back in that day. Uh, and Hill played a uh, kind of like the point forward, whereas Kay's more of a traditional point guard. But I think he's going to do a lot of the same things that we saw Grant do. And I think it's really good because I think Detroit is a really good basketball city. And I think having them kind of on the resurgence is a really good thing for for the NBA because it's – the Pistons have always been kind of entertaining basketball. When they're good, I feel like the NBA is better. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for saying that sentence because people say that a lot, and I don't ever really love it. But I really do feel like that's true uh, with this franchise. So I think Kate Cunningham can get them there. I think the Rockets at two is in a really good position. Uh, they have a lot of different things they can do. They could even trade down a spot or two because, really, if you get the top four pick, you're going to get a really good player. So if somebody falls in love with Evan Mobley or – any of those guys, they could trade down a spot or two and still get a really good player. Anybody they pick is going to fit well with Kevin Porter Jr. Um, it's going to fit well with Christian Wood if they decide to keep Christian Wood. So they're in a really good spot there. The Magic at 5 and 8 are in a good spot. Uh, speaking of, we were talking about winners, but when you think of the Magic, you also think losers, and that's the Bulls because they had a chance to keep their pick, but it fell out. So now they gave that pick to the Magic. So the Magic has some flexibility at five and eight. Uh, Golden State, I believe they're at seven and fourteen. That could be wrong, but it's somewhere around there. They're in a good spot. Obviously, getting Clay back, you have Steph, and then now you have draft capital that you can either pick to support them, or you can trade it to get kind of a more established guy. They have a lot of flexibility and they're set up really well for there. So those are the kind of teams that stick out when I saw that, saw that lottery. Um, I'm just, I'm just super excited for this draft. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and just go straight into the draft combine and nerd out a little bit for you. Uh, I know the combines really big thing for the NFL, but most people don't watch the NBA draft combine. Um, I am one of the people that do. So watching that, I'll bore you. I'll, I won't bore you with all the details. I'll just kind of go straight into who I felt like really elevated their stock in that. Um, so I'll go with the winners on that. So first off, I want to say that I am a winner of the draft combine because all these players that I'm going to name are people that I've mentioned before, and I felt like they were undervalued. And then now we have all the national pundits telling me that these players can have a role. And I'm like, I mean, if you just listen to the MTO podcast, you could have you could have had this scoop a lot earlier. But so. The first winner is, is, is Jamal Tanner, uh, yours truly. Uh, after that, we have Joe Wieskamp. He's a really bouncy shooter. Um, he's kind of in that Duncan Robinson mold as far as size and shooting ability, but he's much more athletic than Duncan Robinson is, so I think he's going to be pretty much a can't-miss role player in this league. He's going to stick in the league for, in my mind, 10, 15 years because he has that kind of jumper. He has defensive potential. Uh, obviously, like I said, he has a 42-inch vertical at the Combine. Like he's he's athletically much better than people would give him credit for, and he showed that. And then we've we've seen him shoot. He's one of the best shooters in this draft, so he helped the stock. Jericho Sims is another guy. I know you've heard me talk about him before. He's pretty much a Jackson Hayes clone. The real difference between the two is Jackson Hayes came out and he was 19, and Jericho Sims is a little bit older for your average uh, 
NBA prospect, so I think that's kind of hurting him. But he does all the same things that Jackson Hayes does. He's going to give you a second-round pick instead of being a lottery pick like Jackson Hayes. So he's going to be a guy that I think is really undervalued and is going to help a team, and we're going to be looking back 10 years from now like, why why did he slip to the second round? Like when I when I watch him play, I see Robert Williams, I see Jackson Hayes. Both those guys were lottery picks, and for whatever reason, Jericho Sims is going to be either late first or somewhere in the second round. Uh, Quentin Grimes is another guy who, for whatever reason, people forget about. I mean, coming out of high school, we thought he was going to be a one and done. It didn't work out for him, and now he's pretty much cemented in the second round. And he dominated the, the NBA draft combine when they went into five on fives. He was the best player on the floor in both of his games. He's a really good guard. He defends. He's got good size. He can shoot. He showed an ability to, to, to pass it that I didn't know he had, like he was distributing in those games. So it's a really good guard that I think is going to go in the second round that's going to help a team. And then lastly, a guy that I didn't really talk about um, is Sharif Cooper. He's the winner specifically just because of his height. Uh, he went into the combine. I was thinking that he was an inflated 6'1". I thought he was going to measure in about 5'11". He measured in at 6'3", which it's crazy. You never see people listed shorter than they actually are. Like, I've never seen that. And he was listed at 6'1". I'm thinking he's really 5'11", but it was two inches the other way. He was really 6'3". So that's a guy I think that's going to be on a lot of people's boards a lot earlier because they went from an undersized guard to actually a pretty good-sized NBA point guard. So... Those are my winners for the draft. I know I've talked a lot. I just, like I said, I love draft season. That's my that's my thing. Uh, is there anybody that kind of stuck out for you, Nick? No, I just, you know, I, I love the draft. I, a lot of these names I hear you go through, I've heard you, you know, spill over, talk about before, hit me up, you know, off, you know, podcasts on text about people here, there, a guy like Book Knight, who you, I don't think you named, who is a person you've, I've heard you talk about several times. So, uh yeah, so I'm ready for the draft. The person I want to ask you about is we've gone back and forth on this guy probably about halfway, you know, going through the college season tournament after that, and that's Kai Jones out of Texas. We, a lot of chatter here and there. He goes high. He goes low in mock drafts. Where do you, Okay, two-part question, I guess. Where do you see him ultimately going, and where do you have him going if you were drafting? So I think he ends up – probably late lottery somewhere between 10 and 14 somewhere around there which to me is a little early Uh, I was when I was really kind of talking about Kai Jones and I was really upset is when you know some of the mock drafts had him at like eight had him at six seven eight somewhere I was like okay it can't be that like y'all just trying to get fired If if you if you don't want to do this job anymore just say that you don't need to draft the guy way too early but uh, I think late lottery, I don't have a problem with it. I probably wouldn't pick him at late lottery. But for me, somewhere between 18 and 24 is probably where I would feel comfortable taking him, uh, depending on the fit for the team is really what that would be based on. Uh, he's a guy that's super talented, but I've never seen him put that together. And it scares me when a guy has never really done it, even though you'll see a flash here, a flash there. Like, I don't think I've seen – but maybe one full game where you kind of saw it all come together. And I don't like that. Like we do this thing where we just see bits and pieces of it. And we think, and by we, I mean the GMs think that they can, well, I'll like, you know, get them with my coaching staff and then they'll just, they'll just put the Picasso together. And I'm like, nah, sometimes it just don't work out that way. Sometimes there's a reason why, that doesn't happen. I'm in the camp personally that, generally speaking, college coaches are better at developing than NBA coaches. I really believe that. That I mean, ultimately, that's their job. NBA coaches are more there to manage the the subs and the egos more so than to develop a player. Now they have a staff that does that, but the head coach itself really isn't spending a ton of time developing players. The college coaches have to do that. So if you get a guy that goes into college with a lot of talent and he ends up being largely the same guy. I don't think that's going to change in the NBA, and that's kind of my concern with with Kai Jones. I think he's talented enough to where his late teens, early 20s, you can take that flyer because most of those teams are playoff teams already. Uh, this is pretty much their opportunity to kind of find a guy that can take them over the hump. You can take that chance. But a lottery team, I mean, I don't, 
I don't love it. Like I really don't. So if he's late lottery, I'm I think I'm cool. But if he goes somewhere like eight, like I I don't like that at all. Like I really don't. So I I kind of got another question, kind of not off Guy Jones, but another uh, different one. Who's someone you think we can see fall that when they get drafted and as they're falling, we're like, hmm, why is this guy falling? Like, is there a guy you can see falling? Like, for whatever reason it may be, just seeing someone just that should be picked higher, just, you know, maybe even fall into the second round. I'm going to stay with Texas and I'm going to say Greg Brown. Like, I love Greg Brown personally. Uh, he didn't really do that great in the combine, which I think it kind of concerns me a little bit because he had the opportunity to kind of show how good he is. He didn't really do that, but he's another dude that just oozes in talent. If you looked at mock drafts before the season started, he was a top 10 pick. Uh, him and BJ Boston's another guy that was kind of in that top 10 pick range. Now, if you look at them, they're both pretty firmly in the second round. I think some mock drafts have Greg Brown sneaking into the first. He's just so talented. Uh, by all accounts, he's a really good kid. So he's, I think he's someone that'll buy into being a role player. He doesn't come across as somebody who, who feels like they need to be the number one guy. Uh, when you watch him at Texas, he he didn't have any problem deferring. In fact, he probably deferred too much uh, to guys like Andrew Jones and, and, and Matt Coleman. So I think he can be a really good role player for a team. I, when you look at – I'm not sure how much you, get, you watch Timberwolves games, but uh, Jaden McDaniels, the guy who was uber talented out of Washington – uh, he, was, he started a lot of games for the Timberwolves at the four. You can kind of see, like, he's a guy who slipped because he was really inconsistent at Washington, and you can kind of see in his rookie year, like, okay, like this might have been a mistake because he, he showed a lot of promise and a guy who can be an elite role player. Uh, I think you're going to see that same type of thing with Greg Brown. So that's a guy I think is going to slide. I think it's Shaka Smart's fault that he slides because – he, he had Brock Cunningham in the game over like, – we've talked to nauseam about that. I could take over this whole podcast complaining about that. But ultimately, sometimes you go to the wrong school, really, and they don't showcase you for your talent, and it kind of hurts your draft stock. And I think that's ultimately what happened with 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 uh, Greg Brown. But I think some team in the second round or late first round is going to benefit from that because I think he's – from a talent standpoint, he's top ten in this draft. But he he didn't really he didn't show it, so I think he's a guy that falls pretty significantly. But I think he's going to be a good pro. Okay, okay. I don't I don't think I got any more questions I can think of about the draft that come to my head. But if you got any more ranting or you know boasting, you know let it be. So I got free reign to just just talk draft. Yeah. That's what you're telling yeah. me. Yeah, do, do, do your draft thing. All right, so I got a couple things that I want to I want to get out. So, first off, I love Davion Mitchell, but seven sounds high. Like they got him mocked at seven eight. When I look at Davion Mitchell, I look at kind of like like a Lindsey Hunter two And I know people hear that and they probably think that's disrespectful, but what I mean is I think you have a really good defensive guard who can fit with a lot of point guards in this league. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of the point guards in this league are scorers first. So you can play him on the floor with a guy like Steph Curry or Dame Lillard or uh, any of the guys like that uh, who's going to get after it. He's going. He can score. He's shown the ability to score. I, th- I look at him as a backup guard. I can probably give you 10 to 12 a night and also give you really, really good defense. While I think that's a very valuable piece, I'm not sure if I'm picking that with the seventh pick in the draft. Like, that's just... That's where I'm at with that. So while I like him and I like, the, I think he has a really high floor, I don't know how high his ceiling is. So I think he's a little bit overvalued from a draft stock standpoint. He's a guy who I think could fall into a place that is more like where I think he's at, which I would say right around 15. Um, but at seven, I'm not super comfortable with Davion Mitchell at seven. Franz Wagner is the same type of thing. I think he's a good player. He has solid role player written all over him. I see zero way that he's a star in this league. So that six to eight range, I don't love it. So that's another dude that I think is a little bit overvalued. We've talked about Kai Jones already. 
But let me plug my guys now. You said James Booknight already, so I'm just going to let that ride. I love James Booknight. But who we haven't talked about is my guy Chris Duarte. Love that dude. If that dude went top 10, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'm telling you right now. He's going to drop because I, he's like one of the oldest players in the draft. I think he's like 24, uh, which is super old for an uh, NBA draft prospect. But the guy can do everything at the guard position. He can play one. He can play two. He can guard. He can score. He can shoot. Like He's really everything you're looking for in a guard. It's just the fact that he's five years older than a lot of these other guys that, that kind of get has him drop, but I think that's going to be the steal of the draft. Uh, you have a guy like Miles McBride who's kind of sneaking up draft boards. I think people are really starting to realize how good of a ball player he is. He's not flashy by any means, and I think that kind of when you put on the tape of him while he's effective, it doesn't just like wow you. Like a Jalen Green, for instance, you watch Jalen Green play, you're like, oh, who's that kid? Like right out, he just jumps off the screen. Whereas Miles McBride doesn't do that, but then you look at the box score and you're like, he gave you 20 that night on eight of 12 shooting. Um, so those are two guards that I think are going to be undervalued that are really going to be in this league for a long time because they're complete players. Uh, Cameron Thomas has Lou Williams written all over him to me. I think that's a guy that your Houston Rockets could pick up late in the draft, uh, late in the first round of the draft, I should say. Uh, I mean, I could, I could go on for years about this stuff. I, I love this stuff. Uh, the last thing that I'll say about the draft, well, I say that now. We'll see what happens. Uh, the last thing I want to say for sure about the draft is that there's more than 60 NBA-type players in this draft. There's not 60 jobs in any in any year. So it's going to be an interesting draft. I think a lot of kids made the wrong decision, not because they're not good enough to be in the NBA, but just because sometimes you have to look at who else is coming out and – you might end up undrafted, whereas next year you could have been a first-rounder. Like, I think the draft is that deep. Uh, I don't know much about the European guys. I've seen some European guys sprinkled around here, but just from American-born players that I've seen in college basketball or in G League Select or what have you, there's probably 60 to 70, probably 65 to 75 NBA players in this draft. It is it's wild. I've never seen anything like it. This is maybe the deepest draft I've ever seen. So you're going to have guys. I can almost guarantee you that there's going to be undrafted guys that are NBA players for years to come from this draft. Like, that's going to happen. Like Usually, I think there's probably one or two. I would say there's probably going to be five to ten undrafted players that are going to be stick on rosters for five to ten years. That's the first thing I'll say. Second thing is there's going to be guys who are NBA caliber that never get that shot because of the fact that they're in a draft class that is so deep that, I mean, you, you can't take everybody. Like I said, there's not 60 jobs open. If you have 75 players that could play in the league, some of these dudes are never going to make it. They're just going to be Euro All-Stars and never really get their shot. So while I'm excited to see kind of what happens, I'm also kind of, a, kind of bummed out because I think a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of players that have – NBA dreams and NBA ability that aren't going to get to see those realized just because everybody ain't going to get their shot. All right. I could go on forever about the NBA draft. So let's go ahead and switch topics now before I rant for two hours about the NBA draft. So let's stick with basketball. Uh, the Olympic team for the, the U S Olympic team has been, we'll call it finalized because injuries happen. Uh, we saw the roster. Obviously, we got headline with Dame Lillard and Kevin Durant. Uh, we also had uh, a few other players. We got Beal, uh, Booker, Holiday, Middleton, Tatum. Uh, I don't know Draymond Green, Jeremy Grant, Kevin Love, Zach Levine, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, I think that's everybody. What are your thoughts of this roster? Uh, what are your expectations for them in the in the Olympics? I mean, the expectations are always gold, right? I mean, it's USA basketball. That's what we do. So I think that's uh, I think this was going to happen. The roster, it, it is what it is. It's a little wonky. It's not really don't have a true big man. I mean, I guess you really don't need one in international play, honestly. Just defensive players or guys who can do a lot of switching, make jump shots. So um, 
they'll be all right. You know, K, having KD, having Lillard, uh, having Tatum, they got scores. Like, they're going to put the ball in the basket. So that's definitely never going to be a problem for this team. And even if defense became a problem, they're just going to outscore people. They're just going to be too, they're going to be better than any team they're going to come up against. And they just have guys on that team that other countries just aren't going to be able to do anything with. So, you know, there's some guys, you know, that got replaced last minute. You know, James got taken off for, and switched uh, to Zach Levine. So, um, you know, they really didn't need James Harden anyway. He probably should just recover the hamstring injury. But um, it's a strong roster still, you know. Even though I kind of wanted to see maybe like a Steph Curry or a Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi being hurt, so of course we weren't going to get him on this team. But uh, yeah, this team is definitely on track to win gold. Probably will. So that's that's what I see in this USA Olympic roster. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit disappointing. It's not really anybody's fault. But I wanted to see a guy like Steph Curry play because I think this is probably. More than likely his last opportunity to play in the Olympics because uh, he's my age. He'd be 36 in the next Olympics or maybe 35 because I'm guessing the next Olympics will be in 2024 instead of 2025. So he could play given his skill set. But I kind of wanted to see him in his prime, which is right now. Uh, but I get it as far as why he didn't play. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis lebron a Kawhi, yeah those guys i just really wanted to see like our best and kind of see some of that redeem team type stuff or the original dream team type type stuff where we're just dominating people and just kind of showing that uh, the u.s is, the, is as good as it gets at basketball uh, i still expect this team to win gold i don't really like the roster construction to be honest with you like obviously booker and beal is a great couple of guards so i don't see why levine needs to be on the roster i mean i'm a bulls fan i like zach levine but I mean, is he really going to be playing when you got Beal and Booker on the roster? Like, how many minutes is he getting? Um, I love Drew Holiday on the roster. I, I, I know I always gush on Drew Holiday. Lillard's a great fit. Uh, Durant, I mean, what can you say about Kevin Durant? Uh, I am a little concerned from the big man standpoint. Um, I don't know if – I like Bam. I love Bam, actually. But if he gets in foul trouble – I'm not sure how you hold up against like a Valanchunas or a DeMontis Sabonis and, and guys like that because there really isn't anybody else on that roster that's built to guard them. Uh, Draymond Green can probably do it in stretches, but at the end of the day, you're giving up six, seven inches. And specifically in European ball, like that's going to matter. That's, they're going to they're gonna put the ball in the basket. But like you said, I think there's, there's enough scoring uh, to – to overcome that and I still expect them to win gold I think the biggest thing takeaway I have from this roster is just how shallow I guess for lack of a better way to put it the big man pool is for for team USA because basically Anthony Davis is hurt Miles Turner is hurt, is hurt and there's not really anybody left like because you know Carl Anthony Towns uh plays for the Dominican Republic Joel Embiid is Cameroonian um even DeAndre Ayton, I believe he's from the Bahamas, so I'm not sure if he would play for Team USA or not. And then, like I said, you obviously you got Jokic and Valanchunas and Nurkic and all those other bigs. They're not American, so it's I never really noticed how, I guess, empty our pool of talent is as a big man, as from a big man perspective, until I kind of looked at the roster. I'm like, Kevin Love? And then I'm trying to think about who I'd replace him with, and I'm looking, and I'm like, there's not really a ton of options. Uh, I think Julius Randle was a guy who I probably would have picked over Kevin Love. Um, but even still, he's not really a five. He's more of a four anyway. So that's really my biggest takeaway. Uh, I still think they should win gold, but I think we need to get better bigs, really. I mean, I think Evan Mobley is kind of the start of that. I think he's someone that will end up maybe representing the U.S., uh, hoping if his health ends up being if he ends up remaining healthy I think he's someone that you'll see on Olympic team going forward I think he's that kind of player but I guess Marvin Bagley would be another one but there's not a ton of bigs right now that we have that will represent the U.S. and that's kind of my biggest takeaway of this whole thing I think we like I said I'm kind of talking in circles at the moment but we win gold regardless in my mind I think anything less would be a disappointment but it was just not something I had thought of before until seeing this, and I was like, "Damn, we we kind of have a hole there from a from a, a talent pool standpoint." 
uh, if who do you think Team USA is gonna see like in the gold medal game? Like who 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 you got? Man. I know that's a tough one. No, yeah, I hadn't even really gotten that far. Honestly, thinking it, the Olympics have honestly crept up on me because they were supposed to be last summer. Mm-hmm. So them being this summer, it's just like, oh yeah, the Olympics never happened. It just kind of crept back up on me. Uh, I feel like Spain is always a tough team. You know, they're always a team that's kind of always there in the final kind of four round. Um, that probably ends up being our matchup. You know, honestly, they're always well coached. Always team that seems to always be together played you know really well uh organized you know back cuts it's always always a tough game seems like with spain uh it's probably the biggest competition honestly in this olympics i don't i mean come on let's be real do we see usa honestly having a tough like fight this this time go around like in the past we there were some teams that had some you know upper echelon talent Maybe we just don't know it because they're not in the league as many in the league as there were in the past. And the Gasol brothers, you know, got a little older. Ricky Rubro was on that squad. Uh, I think Rudy Fernandez back in that you know Spain squad. They kind of had some younger you know players that you know gave the USA a run for its money. But I think at this point in time, I think USA just ends up probably routing everybody. It's it's pretty much who's playing for second. You know, who won that uh, that silver at this point? That silver and bronze is the only thing up you know left to go for. Yeah, for me, it's it's hard to say without knowing who's actually going to play. I think, like, I'm pretty sure I'm also not as great with everybody, like, country of origin. But I believe Serbia has Djokic and both Bogdanovic's. Like, that's a tough team. I think that could be a very tough team. I know Slovenia, if Doncic plays and Dragic plays, like, that's a pretty good backcourt. Um I think Lithuania, because I believe Valanchunas and Sabonis are both Lithuanian. From a big standpoint, I think that could be a problem. Um, but to your point, I think to answer my own question, I guess I'll say Serbia, provided everybody plays. Um, but to your point, I think regardless, we're bringing KD, we're bringing Dame, like that kind of star power, and then you're you got Jason Tatum as the third scorer. Or I mean, I don't even know if he's third because you got Beal and you got Booker, like. That team you got a lot to, of scoring. Yeah, that, that that team's gotta win. I think when you have guys like Bam, he's able to kind of just focus on what he's best at. Draymond Green is built for for the Olympic team type of stuff because all he has to do is play good defense, rebound, and get people involved. Like this is what, it's everything he's best at, really. So the team should win, but I do think there's gonna be provided everybody plays. There's I think there's gonna be some close games. I don't think it's gonna be all blowouts. I think there'll be plenty of blowouts. But I don't think we're going to blow out a team like Serbia. I don't think we're going to blow out a team like Lithuania, provided all those players I named are actually from that country and they actually play. So we'll see what happens, but I expect Team USA to come out with a goal. That's for sure. Uh, So we've talked a lot of basketball. I do want to talk a little bit of football, and it's more off the field than it is on the field. Uh, Carl Nassib came out as gay. Uh, He's the first player that I can think of in any male sport anyway, that has come out as homosexual while they're playing. There's been a, a handful of players after the fact that says that that came out as gay. Um, what are your kind of thoughts of this? And I'll let you just start with what you were thinking when you, when you heard about this. No, this is big. Uh, this is, you know, pretty much kind of the first player that we has come out. That's, you know, pretty much still playing that actually plays that we've heard of. And, for a sport, especially like football, that he's, you know, so caught up in, as, you know, people like to call it, or as pretty much called, toxic masculinity, uh, it's it's about time, you know? We, we, we know that there are guys that are in the NFL that are yay that just don't want to come out, and it's sad that they can't be, you know, truly who they are in, pub, you know, in public because how they be how they think, I guess, or maybe they will be perceived in the locker room. I mean, you know, we hear what these guys say all the time. You know, we hear how loud they are right now about not wanting to be vaccinated. And that's just something to do with trying to be as healthy as possible to fight against coronavirus. So do you think they're going to be that open and willing to hear, oh, my teammate, you know, doesn't isn't into the same things as me, you know? He, you know, he's coming out as a gay man or a homosexual or a bisexual or whatever he's identifying as or wanting to come out as. So... I just think it's a big, you know, step and I'm, you know, I'm 
proud and glad that he did it. And, you know, the way he did it, his video, you know, was good and hopefully inspirational to a lot of people that don't, you know, have the courage to kind of come out to whoever they need to to feel comfortable. Because at the end of the day, if you're not comfortable, then you're probably not living the best possible life that you can live. And that's not good. And I don't I don't want that for people. I don't want that for someone playing a sport or someone not playing a sport. So I just really hope he can, you know, be a role model to a lot of people and help a lot of people with, you know, coming out as he did and showing that you can still be this macho dude and be gay at the same time and not have to have people label it as anything and it just be accepted. So hopefully we're moving in that right direction and hopefully, you know, he won't be, you know, the last and we can kind of get over this and this won't be a big, you know, breaking news on ESPN thing anymore. Yeah, I think that's very well said. I think for me, when I saw it, I think representation matters. Uh, I think it's it's a big thing for a lot of people. Um, like you said, I think in the, there's probably people all across the country that wanted to play football that were frankly scared of how they'd be treated, um, how it would be perceived, um, making sure like other people are, I guess, comfortable in the locker room, which has always been ridiculous. It's like, if girls ain't just throwing themselves at you, what makes you think that this dude's gonna throw himself at you just because he's gay? Like you ain't you ain't hot. Like nobody likes you like that. It don't matter. Like <laughs> I've never understood this whole idea that just because someone's gay that means they're gonna throw themselves at you. Like you ain't I don't know who the hell you think you are. Like you ain't Brad Pitt walking around here anyway. Back to the to the subject at hand. I think he's gonna allow a lot of people to be feel more confident. Um, to do that, I think we've seen. Obviously, he's been gay the whole time. So, I mean, he's played high school ball, he's played college ball, and it's never been an issue for him or for his teammates. He's been able to do it. He's shown that it's been done. He's done it at the highest level. He's been in the NFL. Um, I think it's perfect because it's not a guy that's like you know, what I mean, the headline guy. Like a lot of people didn't know who Carl Nassib was before, um, but he was in the league. He did play. Like he he is a solid player in the league. Um, so it's one of those things that he comes out now and it's like, you can't even really like, all those questions are kind of gone. Cause we had all these things about like, how would that work? Like it's been working like, you know, cause he's mentioned that his teammates, a lot of his teammates know, uh, I'm not sure if that's in the NFL or not, but he, it's not something that's foreign to a lot of his teammates and it's never really been a problem. So I think it's, it's a great thing. I think who it is, when it happened, I think it's all perfect and aligns really well. Um, to help with the progression in this country um, with some of that kind of machismo that we see and kind of getting over that and realizing how, how silly it really is. Um, like you said, I think it's going to help a lot of people across the country be more comfortable and feel empowered to be able to be their true self and still go out there and do the things that they want to do. Um, I just really think it's going to be a, a good thing all around and kind of be a myth buster for a lot of people that this is going to be an issue because it's, I mean, he's lived it his whole life. It's never been an issue. Uh, we've had players who've retired and said that they were gay. It was never an issue for them. I think this just helps. It's another step in the right direction. It's a big step in the right direction. Uh, to like you said, to whereas these things are going to be just kind of a footnote versus a breaking news story. So uh, hats off to Carl Nassib. I really appreciate his courage to come out and say that he's gay. And I'm sure he's getting a lot of slander. And a lot of negative things come his way, but I just hope he understands that he's also getting a lot of praise, a lot of support. And for anybody that's also gay that's playing a sport, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, I hope they feel uh, comfortable enough to be able to to live their true and authentic life and not worry about this, the people that are going to have something to say about it. Because regardless, there's going to be somebody that's hating behind the keyboard. So just live your best life. Um, you're going to help more people than there's going to be people talking bad about you. I think it's a wonderful thing. And I just hope, like you said, that more people come out and this becomes a commonplace thing versus something that's this huge headline. So I think we're kind of in agreement there. So let's, uh, without any further ado, we missed it last week. Let's go ahead and bring it home. So last week we missed it. This week we got to go come in hot. So, Watching the NBA playoffs, there's been a lot of players that have just kind of went crazy. We've seen Trey Young almost get a 50-piece in game one. We've seen Booker go off with a 40-point triple-double. Uh, we've seen Chris Middleton 
yes, Mike, Chris Middleton give you 20 in the fourth quarter. That's had me thinking, give me an example of a time where you just went crazy in a game. You don't even know how you did it, like while it's happening, but you just went bananas into something that will stick with you forever. Ooh, man. It, I mean, I probably can't think of a basketball. Football one is one come to mind. I can't remember who we were playing. I do remember it was at West, and I had like a hundred and something yards like receiving, a hundred and something yards rushing, two a tug on the ground, two catching through the air. I was nice that day. I was like, ooh, your boy on some Reggie Bush stuff today. Like I was, ooh, I was nice with it. I can't even remember who we were playing. I probably got the press clipping somewhere in the basement. I can find it if I gots to, but it happened. Like it didn't. It don't. We can't say it didn't happen. So I mean, that's probably the day I was nice with it. Like I, yeah, it was just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds like yeah, you were on some Reggie Bush shit that day, huh? Like that's that's wild. You said you said two in the air, one on the ground, a hundred and both. Yeah, hundo and both. And the receiving was a close to two hundo. Yeah, that's some Percy Harvin, Reggie Bush type stuff there. It's like Christian McCaffrey type level stuff. So, for me, I had one. Unfortunately for me, my, my day in the sun was in an intramural game, so there ain't no press clipping on it. But I remember it, damn it. And I bet you the other team remember it if I let them know. <laughs> so, we were playing intramurals, and I had a pretty solid team, but it wasn't anything to like write home about. Like We were good, but we really weren't expected to win the championship that year. Because uh, the team we were playing against was stacked. They had a couple players that played on the college basketball team that were just out of eligibility. Um, they had a really good starting five. So we go into the game, and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, we should give it our best shot, and we'll just see what happens, right? Like, you like you try to be confident and optimistic, but, I mean, we know. You know I mean, you go into games, and you, you, know, you know what's what's about to happen, right? So I'm just like, I'm just going to be aggressive and do my thing. So start the game. And, you know, everybody kind of, like, matches up. And they put their worst player on me, like their worst player in their starting five on me. And mind you, I'm in my mind, I'm the best player on my team. I don't know how my teammates feel about that, but that's where I'm at. So I was immediately disrespected because I was like, look, I understand y'all good and everything, but you're going to put your worst player on me? And you know me, Nick. I'm a pass-first point guard. That day, I had something to prove because they, they stuck their worst person on me. So, <laughs> right off the gate, it was bucket, 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 right? Right out the gate. Then they switched someone else on me that I still felt like, like, I was looking at their best defender, and I'm like, he need to come guard me, right? So, they put somebody else on me. I gave him some buckets, and then we up like 10, 15, and then they eventually, in the second half, they put their best defender on me. And I was feeding him, too, bro. And I'm I'm sitting here just trying stuff. Like, I wonder if this will work. I'm like, wop, wop, do a little step back, hit it. In my head, I'm like, damn, I don't think I've ever hit that shot before in my life. <laughs> but, you know, you got to play it cool on the on the court. So I'm out here acting like like that's who I am. Like I'm, like I'm Durant all of a sudden. Like I'm Dame Lillard or something like that. But in my mind, I'm like, damn, I have never been this hot. Like, those games are running clock. I think they're 17-minute halves. I gave them, like, 45. I ain't never done that. Like, I have never scored nothing like that. We ended up winning the game. To this day, I don't know what the hell came over me because I don't even shoot enough to score 45, really. So, to, And I, I probably missed, like, five times that game. I still, like, I remember the next game because we had the next game the next day because it was the playoffs. And I tried to recreate it. <laughs> that was broke. <laughs> I couldn't hit none of them shots. <laughs> but that's the day I'll never forget. And I wish it, like you said, I, the press clippings, I wish it wasn't like an actual high school or, or something like where the, where the cameras was there. But I'll never forget it because I, I don't, I'll never be that hot again. Like that, I knew in the moment, I was like, this is, this is my night. Like this is that, you know, when Booker went off for 70 or when Tatum went for 60, like, they know it. Like this is forty-five is my sixty, as far as I'm concerned. It was, it was a hell of a day for me, and I'll never forget it. Even though there was probably three people that watched it that weren't playing that game, <laughs> but they got to show that day. Damn it! I, pro- I promise you that. It don't even sound like press clippings would have get, uh, 
Press clippers wouldn't even have done it justice. I needed the video on that one. Like, yeah, you, you I, press clippers, I would have been like, nah, I need to see all the moves. I need to see the the step back, the fadeaways, the dink, the uh, the ins, the outs. I, yeah, I need a video on for that one that day. Hey, I didn't say no names, but you know some of the people that was on the other team. I bet you, you ask them about it, they're going to smooth back like it didn't happen. That's why we need them press clippings. <laughs> for sure. But another, I guess another problem I have is the one time I made the paper, they got my name all wrong. I was Jamar Turner. They got both of them wrong. Oof. So even Oof. if it was press clipping, somebody else would have got credit for the shit anyway. It wouldn't even have been me. Uh, the worst when they get your name wrong. I've had mine wrong a couple times too, which it's kind of hard to mess up Nick, and my last name isn't that hard either. But, you know, it happens to the best of us. Shit, I had my, my name was wrong at my wedding. I, I paid for all this money for this venue. They, called, they said, welcome to Turner's. And I was like, really? Like, I did, how much money I gave y'all? Y'all can't get the name right? They were like, yeah, Turner, Tanner, close enough. As long as the check clears, they're like, I don't really care what your damn name is. That's all the time we have. I really appreciate y'all joining us for the 22nd edition of the MTO podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Media Timeout Sports. Uh, we got some more content coming your way. We're going to keep it fresh, keep it hot. Uh, you guys have a wonderful week. And I'll holla at y'all in a week. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.